Happy New Year, everybody. Hope you're all doing well. I've missed speaking about Formula One as, apart from my dad, a little bit over Christmas. I've had no real chats about Formula One, apart from a few of you people over the the Twitter and stuff. Uh, The Twitter, I sound a hundred years old. Anyway, uh, I thought I'd just jump back in today and, uh, I don't know, kind kind of a roundup. There's a little bit of like news that's popped up there's like there's some other stuff i've um i will look maybe maybe look towards coming like the coming season if that if anything pops into my head i haven't actually got anything written down for next season to be perfectly honest but i've got a couple of little little tidbits here the first bit being that ferrari has said that f1 may die without a strict budget cap and i thought it was worthy enough to talk about because it sounded like a very odd thing for Ferrari to say. Um, a budget cap for, of $175 million US dollars will be implemented by 2021, uh, but will not apply to engine development or driver salaries. Other exceptions are the top three earners in the team. Now, I've wondered whether there's an air, uh, there's a, like a get out sort of clause with that because... Could you, if you want to put more more of that 170 million into your car, could you theoretically have employees like mechanics, for instance, only only mechanics because it's it's a nice group of people that come under like one person. Uh, could you have like a, the set of mechanics for each car, for instance, being essentially employees to the driver and paid their salaries through increasing the driver's salaries. I wonder, wonder whether that would be a thing or if it was a like a design team. So let's say Adrian Newey at Red Bull, whether his, well, let's say 15 key employees would be contracted to Adrian Newey and then Adrian Newey would be paid X amount under the understanding that he distributes what, to different people. Because there's, there's going to be lots of these little loopholes, I think. And... I would think if a um, painter and decorator, come semi-professional talker like myself, um, <clears throat> if I've thought about that, then the Formula One teams must have thought about it. But anyway, we'll read on. Um, the CEO Louis Cam Cam Kamal Cam, I can't pronounce his Italian surname. We'll just call him Louis. Louis said. I think we've reached a relatively good compromise in terms of cost cap, which all the teams, uh, which applies to chassis, he said. We've been in favour of it because we think it's a good, if good for Formula One to have economic stability. Obviously, that makes sense. Um, uh, because ultimately, the sport is not. Uh, if the sport is not economically viable, it will slowly die. Now, I find it interesting that the team with all the money in the world, or at least all the money in Italy, uh, to work to, to put into their car, starts coming out with this. So it, to me, this feels like my dream of Formula One, where 
Ferrari get some of their power taken away um, and strong-armed into stay like given the option like the the option i think ferrari should have had ages ago which is all oh, right oh you're not happy right um well the door's there because i personally don't think formula one would die without ferrari in the same way as if ferrari suddenly went to formula e for instance let's decide they decide to leave ferrari uh, they sort of decide to leave formula one and uh they they start a formula e team and they start winning in formula e and they they, the, you have the red car and the prancing horse there. I don't all of a sudden think Formula E would become a competitor to Formula One. You know, I'd, I'd, I'm, I'm sure there's some people disagree with me. I don't even think Formula E is a competitor to Formula Two, to be perfectly honest. So <clears throat> this whole thing of Formula One needing Ferrari, I think, was a Bernie Eccleston um, propaganda piece and. Uh, the sooner it can be disappeared, the better in my eyes. So hopefully that's what's happening. I'm, I'm wondering whether you, you know, that, you know, there's key moments where someone, where someone gives you an ultimatum where you can't, um, you know, you've got to have to bend the knee to what they're asking you to do. So you then make everybody around you think it's your idea to do it anyway. This feels a bit like Ferrari making it their idea to do this. So um, what I didn't realise is that under these new cost cap things, Ferrari's heritage bonus will be cut as part of the new agreement, having previously enjoyed enjoyed a deal that meant uh, that they were the highest earners despite a title drought since 2008. Um, I knew they were the highest paid team, um, and it's it's ridiculous. McLaren are right up there as well. Like, people talk about McLaren, but they're like, I think they're like the third highest paid team. Um, Red, but I think they might even get more in TV revenue than Mercedes. I'm not sure. Red Bull have also got a good deal out of this. I think your top four are Ferrari, Mercedes, Red Bull, and um, for, did I say Ferrari, Mercedes, Red Bull, and Merck? Yeah, no, McLaren. Ferrari, Mercedes, Red Bull, and McLaren. Um, so, it, if if some of that that money trickles down to the Force Indias of the world and um, the fuck, I keep doing it. Can that man not just buy Austin Martin? Then I can start calling it Austin Martin because I will remember that. Um, but if it can trickle down to those teams, then all the better. Get like I think Williams gets not a bad return for its heritage bonus, because I think it's championships, isn't it? If you're a championship-winning team, you get more money. In the same way as Renault still have a heritage bonus from what they've done. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's kind of that's kind of all there is for this story. It, 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 he goes on and says the same thing over and over again a few times, but I'm not going to... I'm not going to continue to to read the same thing over and over. But like I said, the reason I thought it was interesting was because to me it sounds like that's Ferrari's way of making this feel like it's their idea. So that's it's a it's a good thing if they if if they have to do that to keep face, then they have to do that to keep face. And if they're having to keep face, then that means that somebody is standing up to this might 
of the Italian giants. Um, Gunther Steiner has said that he thought his Formula One duo between Kevin Magnussen and Roman Grosjean was going to be unmanageable by the end of the season. Um, I'm still amused at the fact that these two drivers are in that car. I don't understand. Like, I, I think it's when you look at what Haas had done, Haas had done so well with what they had from the beginning, from when they came into Formula One. This car has been fucked from work, from the word go. It's been fucked. So hopefully we, we can see Haas come back into it a little bit more. But I just don't, I don't see what they're doing, keeping the drivers on. Um, this goes back to Silverstone where um, Gunther Steiner said, after Silverstone, there was a point where I thought they could, I couldn't see this working anymore because we were struggling with the car and we were struggling with the drivers. It was just a struggle. I'm not moaning because I'm uh, because I'm under pressure, but it's all it's the whole team for mo- for motivation's sake that we have to think of. If we can't control the drivers, how can that be good for the team? I put a lot of, lot of pressure on them to work and to do everything. Uh, everything's sorry, I've not got my fucking glasses again. I've been I've been so fucking. Uh, in a rush to do this because if anyone saw on my Twitter, I had to dig out the studio for under Christmas stuff. It's been a fucking nightmare. Um, he put a lot of pressure on the drivers to get the job done at Silverstone and then they come together at turn five. Uh, at a certain stage, it's just not manageable anymore. Um, I, I don't understand how this is just like talking about them coming together. You know, it's, it's the, their attitudes coming together with others, pace in certain certain uh, places. I just that team so feels like it needs a single driver to galvanise it around. Um, I don't know who that driver would be. I think they need an older driver. I know Grosjean's been around for a while now, but I think they need like a. Um, they could have done with a Kimi, to be perfectly honest. But they they need like that when when Rubens Barrichello went to Williams and like Massa at Williams as well you know they just had that reliable hand that could develop the car and it when they when when they're questioning because this is the big thing for me the big thing with Haas was when Grosjean had it right about the the chassis being right going the wrong way in development I've I've said it all year like I think that saved his drive because he said the car was better in Australia and they obviously didn't listen to him. They listened to Kevin Magnussen and the car got progressively worse. So I think that's what saved him because his, his point of that can be, look, look, the reason I'm in this situation is because you didn't listen to me in the first place. So I, I, I don't see good things coming for Haas this year though. I hope the car will be better, but even if the car's better, then you've got to get over the drivers that, the, that they seem to have in the thing. Um, the next story I thought was noteworthy was Honda saying that they have to hit their targets to keep Red Bull on side and to keep the trust between the the, the two companies. Now, uh, it's not sure. No one's sure whether like Honda will want to stay in, but this article certainly suggests that Honda are looking to stay in Formula One. They don't really want to go anywhere. I think their contract with Red Bull ends in twenty twenty one. I'm not. I'm not. 100% sure I think Red Bull have to be title contenders next year for two reasons I think it's with the might of Honda it's been long enough now 
it's been long enough for them to sort themselves out of them to get themselves on par with Mercedes. They did good last year, and they seemed once the well, if we're perfectly honest, probable cheating from Ferrari had stopped. Um, Red Bull seemed to have the second best engine. I think you know it. It was close to Mercedes. Uh, at some points, and Lewis Hamilton believes that it was actually a better engine at other points. I'm still slightly concerned for this year that Mercedes problems were cooling based and they haven't really been able to run their engine as they would normally run it. I, as I've said on this podcast and on Three Legs, Four Wheels, he's. He's? No. That car. Uh, is in my eyes, if you take out like the the first Mercedes cars when we when Mercedes first came into Formula One, they were finding their feet. But if we go from like the hybrid era of Formula One, I think this is the worst Mercedes of the hybrid era, and it still ruined everybody over the course of a championship. No little, no little. Uh, um, Props given to Lewis Hamilton for what his season, which I think has been fairly incredible, you know. But Honda need to be up there. They need they need to be there from the first race because we've seen this from Red Bull a couple of times now as well, where they will be off at the beginning of the season and then slowly improve and get themselves back on terms with the with with the top teams. And they need to be there in Australia. I actually. I don't know why, and I don't know why I think this, but I would put my my sneaky betting money before the season open, before testing, will be a Max Verstappen win in in Australia. Um, I'm not sure why, and I don't think he win the world championship. I do think he might. They they might come out really strong, um, and if they can give him like a stronger car, you know, he's gonna he's gonna make that car go half a second quicker than it than his team makes makes it go. Uh, as much respect as I've got for Alban, I don't I don't think he's a massa by any stretch of the imagination. I don't think he's I don't think he's a number two or has to be number two, but the uh yeah I think I think Max is there's something in the same way as Lewis Hamilton and the Alonsos of the world and uh, Sebastian Vettel's when they are not completely broken. I think there's something a little special about Max Verstappen. I was I was a little wrong about that one. I was. I thought. I thought when he came in that he didn't seem. He didn't seem streets ahead of Carlos Sainz, and he seemed to be getting like all the attention. And I wasn't really sure why. And I've. I rarely am I proved this wrong about Formula One. I think. Um, I think I'm usually usually reasonably level headed about things, unless it comes to a Jensen Button situation. Then I had massive Jensen, Jensen Button. Shaded spectacles that I'd stick on, and that would be it. But back to Honda and um, uh, Honda and Red Bull. Um, Yamamoto said, "There we share our plans and the current situation as well. Uh, we sh- uh, we share we share plans on our current current position, and it's an easy working environment for all of us. I think he's, he's still trying to push the the thing that." Um, I don't think he they worked well with. Well, obviously, they didn't work well with McLaren. But you feel that they're working with uh, Red Bull, where McLaren and 
Honda. McLaren was building their car and Honda was building the engine. And this seems to be a lot more spread of information. I mean, don't, let's not forget as well, they've got, a, they've got a practice team now. This is huge, like the practice team. Uh, when Ron Dennis was still running McLaren, Honda wanted to give um, Sauber engines and Sauber was supposed to take Honda engines and uh, Ron Dennis vetoed it. Uh, the, the, oh, oh, McLaren could have had the same situation that Red Bull have got now with a test bed in Selba for Honda to be sticking all experimental parts on and then uh, McLaren as the like the premier customer team it it was it was short-sighted and I I, I do wonder whether that was one of the reasons that um Ron Dennis got shoved out of McLaren you know it's it was arrogance ahead of common sense in my eyes where he didn't he just didn't want he wanted it to be Honda McLaren and not Honda anybody else. Uh, but yeah, that's that's pretty much it. The um, Helmut Marco said that he wanted to win five races uh, last year, and they didn't hit that target. But I, if he's mad about where they were, I'd, I'd be very surprised because you know they. they they won the races they could, didn't they? You could argue that they let um, Hungary get away from them tactically, I think. I think Mercedes just did them. Mercedes did them tactically with Lewis, and they get, like Lewis ran with the strategy he was getting. It, that, that was I think, was my favourite race of the year. I know we had some crazy races, um, but... How many times have we seen like a car go in early and like stick softs on while the other car trails off into the distance? And we haven't been able to see that car catch up and even make a move, you know, or it's they, they've ran up to the back of them, then got within a second and a half and they've been hit by the dirty air and couldn't overtake. It was great to see like a driver chase somebody down. I think that if you were to ask Lewis Hamilton, that might be his most memorable win of the year because it's not just him doing a good drive, making a strategy work. It was him sticking one to the younger generation as well. You know, he is the second oldest driver on the grid now, which is crazy. It seems like only 10 minutes ago that this like plucky young lad got got signed from Mercedes and went into that hellish season with Fernando Alonso where they ripped themselves and McLaren apart. So I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to see what Red Bull can do this year. And I I really do hope they can do something because I have no faith in Ferrari of uh attacking Mercedes. I've no faith in them being able to beat Mercedes over the course of a uh, a year. I I kind of don't want them to in a way because I really want uh, Lewis to uh, equal Michael Schumacher because I'd like to see that record broken and not only broken, but broken in a much cleaner, more sportsman way. Um, you know, there's there's at least one championship that uh, Michael Schumacher shouldn't have and that's not taken into consideration what naughtiness Benetton might have been up to at the time. So, and Ferrari, you know, it's the, 
the the Ferrari having tires made for them. I I never stop banging the drum about Bridgestones just made to fit Ferraris. So it, I it would be nice to see that record held by someone that, in my eyes, has. He's had a couple. He's had a couple of easy championships. I think this this championship was relatively easy. But the difference with with Lewis is Valtteri Bottas has had the opportunity to beat him, and he just hasn't been able to. You can't complain with that. Um, no teammate until Schumacher broke his legs. Uh, no teammate has been allowed to challenge Michael Schumacher uh, until Eddie Irvine, like was essentially the de facto number one when Schumacher couldn't race. And then Ferrari threw him under the bus in the last race. And I, to, again, this is one of the reasons I could never be a Ferrari fan is the fact that they threw a world championship away because it was the wrong Ferrari driver that was going to get it. I, I will never, I will never understand that. And it must be, it, it must suck for Eddie Irvine because it, it he deserved that. I, I think he deserved that championship that year. He wasn't supposed to be challenging for it, and he took it down to the wire with Mika Hakkinen. Um, and he might he might have lost. Don't get me wrong; he might have lost, but he wasn't allowed to challenge because there was something going on with that car. Anyway, you Ferrari fans out there will not agree with me. So Lando Norris, um, he's he's kind of backed up something I was saying earlier in the year that I was a little bit worried about. You know, it's, and again. Before people get my back, because Lennon Norris is one of these guys that if you say something bad about, people jump at you, a bit like Charles Leclerc. But I think it's hilarious when people do it for Charles Leclerc because he cries. He cries like a little scared child. Um, I, but I think Lando has come across as like, this great ambassador for the sport. And I think he's bringing like new, younger eyes in because there would be people that watched him do esports probably that don't watch formula one and he's bringing those people into formula one and that's great but he said himself he's in some ways i think i might have been too relaxed i've had too much fun when it became serious i haven't focused as much as i should do and i haven't worked on as many areas i think i should have done and maybe i started taking things for granted a little bit um it's it's refreshing to hear him say things like this because it's it's that I I don't think anybody gets better at anything without like looking into themselves and being uncomfortable when they do it. If you constantly look at yourself and you go, do you know what? I did a really good job there. Then you won't do better than that job the next time you do it because you'll do the same job again. The uh, I mean I've I've obviously I've never been in a situation like uh, Landon uh, Norris or or any top professional of anything. But you, you, if if you do something and you're passionate about it and you want to become better than it, you have to kind of rip yourself apart a little bit. Um, and it, I, I'm happy that this is happening. But I found, I found something else he said in the interview that was really interesting. He said, "There's a compromise. I still want to have some fun, uh, like sometimes wear my own jumpers." Now, I wish that wasn't in the um, uh, in the interview because. It seems a bit weird, uh, and I take I take it. I'm thinking that must have been a joke, and it's just obviously it's something that doesn't translate well over, um, over text. So I'm hoping that that's that's a joke because it seems like such a stupid, a stupid thing to to add in when you're talking about like tr- trying to like 
get a new, like higher maturity level in a professional sport like Formula One. And again, I'm not ragging on the guy. Uh, I've 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 wanted a driver to support since Jensen Button left Formula One, and Lando appears to be the guy that 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 that's going to be. Um, I I think that's why that's why I get on it so much because I know how many drivers are out of contract at the end of this year, and there can be so many moves. And Lando has to get on top of or match Carlos Sainz this year. I'm convinced that's what he he has to do it. You look at someone like Russell, George Russell, and he just comes across as being so much more composed. And I think he would handle, like, if if he was to find himself in a championship battle, I think he would handle that championship battle better. There's, there's just something, there's just something at the minute, I think, missing with Lando and I hope he finds it I th- and I'm, don't get me wrong he's so young he's every chance he'll find it but I worry that in modern Formula 1 you ask Red Bull drivers ask Red Bull drivers how many chances you get in Formula 1 these days there's the very few few people there like Danny Kvyat and Pierre Gasly which get caught by Formula 1 but if you don't do your job you soon find yourself out of it but that being said, he goes on to talk about uh, Ricardo, saying that Ricardo showed uh, Formula One that you, you know you can show a bit more personality uh, that in, as a Formula One driver, and you don't need to be those robots that we see like, all the time. And I, I want that. Like, I of course I want to see more personality come out of Formula One drivers and sportsmen in general. But I mean, what do you want? Do you want a jester or? Do you want a guy that's going to fulfil his potential? That's I think that's what it comes down to to a certain extent. And Ricardo is he's very smiley and stuff like that, and he's he's all, all up for a joke and stuff. But there's still there's a steel behind Daniel Ricardo that I don't see behind Lando Norris yet. And I just I hope it develops. Like I I really do because he he seems super talented and he seems like a super nice guy as well. Um, that's kind of it for for little bits of news. The the obviously we're in the off season. It's New Year's Eve as I record this. Uh, that's how sad I am. I'm recording a podcast on New Year's Eve. Um, uh, I will be back next year with probably probably closer towards testing. I'd have thought because we'll be doing I'll be doing three legs, four wheels as well, and I don't want to just recycle what I'm saying to you guys. Um, so the, I'll probably be back doing hot laps closer to, um, testing and through testing and then every, every race weekend without doubt afterwards. And then hopefully, um, update shows in between, but that's, that's just what we're going to do with hot lap. Just quickly before I go, there was a really interesting article on Sky Sports, believe it or not, because Sky Sports doesn't have the best Formula One's articles, which is, a bit crazy you would think they'd be better um but it just pointed out like what's happened over the decade and uh it was wasn't so much the article but they had a little win tally and a driver's wins tally now this was uh, 2010 to 2019 team wins williams has won one race this decade Lotus won two races 
And it's it's amazing to think that Lotus won two races, then they were bought out by Renault, and then nothing. Um, or taken over by Renault. Did Renault were, were Renault still involved? Who fucking knows? Uh, McLaren won 18 races. I think that number might surprise a few people. It's still low for a decade. Like, it's still low. It was only 10 less than Ferrari. So that puts you there. Like, people that write McLaren off, when you consider how terrible they've been for, what, half the decade, um, people who write McLaren off write them off at their, at their, at their own humility, to be perfectly honest, because all those tweets and comments are going to come back to haunt you when they win a world championship sooner or later. Um, Ferrari won 28 races, as I just said, 10 more than um, McLaren. Red Bull won 56 races, so we're seeming pretty competitive over this now when you consider that this decade also will include the uh red bull like red bull being the the championship winning machine that they were with sebastian vettel um but somehow considering they didn't enter the sport till 2012 and i'd say they were shite pretty much i think they won a race in 2012 then three races in 2013 and then it was a hybrid era and Mercedes really took off Mercedes have won 93 races 93 races um it's just it's it's an unbelievable statistic and I think it shows you where Formula One is and it's not we really need to hope that this shake-up does something to the order because you can't continue with a sport like that. I'm I, I'm being happy with Lewis Hamilton's wins, but I mean, you look at the drivers here. There's been one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve winners in a decade. Now I don't know how that how that works out with other decades, so I'm not I'm not saying that it's a low number or anything like that. Crazily enough, at the bottom you have Maldonado with one win. <laughs> I still find it hard to believe that Maldonado is a race winner. Uh, Leclerc has won two races. Kimi Räikkönen has won three. Uh, Ricardo has won seven. Bottas, seven. Weber seven. Uh, Verstappen, eight. Jensen Button, eight. Uh, Fernando Alonso, 11 wins in this decade. Vettel, 48. And out of the 93 race wins Mercedes has had, Lewis Hamilton has had 70 fucking three of them. 73. And Valtteri Bottas has had seven wins. That is insane. That's an insane statistic. You know, it's, I mean, the, um, I'm sure... No, I was just trying to think there. Lewis Hamilton was world champion with with McLaren in... I, I don't know how many McLaren wins Lewis had because he, he went to Mercedes in 2013, 2013, I believe. So he must have only had... Because that was like the downturn of uh, the McLaren starting to fall back. Um... I know Button had a handful of wins with McLaren, as did um, 
as did Lewis. But so that so that out of that seventy three that he's had over the decade, sorry, there must be a couple of McLaren wins in there. But still, even if you take five, take five off it, which I don't think I don't think he had five race wins with McLaren since twenty ten. Uh, so someone someone can correct me on this, but it's just insane. It's an insane amount of wins for for have someone to have over well, when you consider like Vettel was it's it, up up to joining Ferrari hadn't Vettel won like 50% of the races he's entered and it's still only 4873 yeah. the guys that I I I constantly say I'm sure people disagree with this because I keep saying it but um and I I don't even consider myself a uh, Lewis Hamilton fan, but I, if if you can't see that there's something extremely special about this guy, then I don't know what to say to you. In this decade, we have had three world champions. We have had 2010, 11, 12, and 13. Sebastian Vettel. The beginning of the hybrid era has just been Mercedes with Hamilton, Hamilton, uh, Rosberg in 2016, Hamilton, Hamilton, Hamilton in 2017, 18, and 19. I, I again I want to see Lewis break uh Schumacher's record but I want I want to see competition and I want to see more competition. I I think this this is going to be hopefully be the last like whitewash season from Mercedes because this is the other thing you don't want you don't want someone just to do this because like Lewis Hamilton is a great talent and I don't think his achievements will ever be as overshadowed as, Schumacher, as Schumacher's. Again, he's allowed to be challenged by a teammate, as Rosberg showed, and um, he's not a cheat in my eyes. And you know, it's but it would be good to see him fight for some more, like really fight because he has to fight for wins and positions sometimes. But over the course of a season, he doesn't really have to fight for the championship. He just needs to make sure he does the job he's doing. And maybe it's up to other people to match that level. Maybe that's the problem. But if the cars aren't around him, if he's got a teammate which is nowhere near as good as him and Ferrari keep tripping over themselves and Red Bull are constantly a second behind in development, um, then he's not going to be challenged. And we need, we need to hope that something happens. Just quickly, uh, they also did a poll on um, the uh, best races of the year. I voted, unsurprisingly, for Canada 2011. I think up to now, it, we had like 48% of the vote and was a runaway winner. Uh, and I, I personally think that that's the that's the greatest Grand Prix I've ever seen. Even if you take Jensen Button out of it, and I take my Jensen Button spectacles off for some reason, I've took my own glasses off. Um, even if you take that, then let's let's be honest. If you stick stick Maldonado in Jensen Button's position, if he goes and does that, it's a great race. Like, how does somebody be last like four times? Uh, overtake 30 cars of a 19 car or 18 car grid it was just a stunning drive winning the race on the last lap because Vettel bottled it brilliant 
I love I, I loved that race. It was a great season. As a Jensen Button fan, although he didn't win the World Championship that year, it was a great season because I think that was his best year in Formula One. Anyway, uh, just la- last little thing that struck my eye on this article was the big moves of the decade. Um, my mic, my mic just went all floppy. I don't want that. I don't want a floppy mic. Um, the big moves of the decade started in 2012 with Kimi Raikkonen returning to Formula One to Lotus. Uh, I put a big tick next to that because I think it worked out. Uh, Lewis Hamilton to McLaren, obviously a big tick next to that because that really worked out. Daniel Ricciardo to Toro Rosso in 2014, big tick there. Kimi Raikkonen, Lotus to Ferrari, I think it deserves a tick because he was in a Ferrari again and he won a race. He won, he won his, probably his last race in Formula 1. Uh, 2015 was McLaren from Ferrari to, sorry, was uh, Fernando Alonso from Ferrari to McLaren. That did not work out, and it pushed Fernando Alonso out of the, out of the sport, really. I mean, you guys know how I feel about Fernando Alonso. I think he's brilliant. Um, I th- I'll probably make a lot of people angry, certainly a lot of Max Verstappen fans. I still think he's the only guy, if you stuck him in a car, I know people go to say, yeah, but what about um, in McLaren? And, yeah, like, Lewis and him ended unceremoniously. I think I think Fernando was ahead on results, but they had the same amount of points, and it was Lewis's rookie season, and obviously, but if you don't think that McLaren were, A, surprised that Lewis Hamilton was able to keep up with, with uh, Fernando Alonso, but he was also Ross Dennis's boy, wasn't he? Ross Dennis wanted him to win that world championship. So, if you if you don't think that the team might have been slightly tipped towards the um, the British guy, then I'd be surprised. I also think there's a big plaudit to be had for having the first black Formula One world champion. Um, yeah, it's it would have been a you know it 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 was a great thing for the sport where um, Lewis Hamilton has dominated a white man sport you know and it is a white man sport it's been a white man sport for years and he has dominated it and i think that's i think it's a great thing you know it's a great thing for uh anyone it's a great it's a great story when you get when you get something that really shakes up the status quo it would be the same i think if um although i don't i don't believe it necessary but it's it's nice when things like this happen. In the same way, as I think it would be good if we got a Formula One driver that was a woman that was really good. You know, but that's the thing. I think you need if you're going to break the mold, then you actually have to break the mold. You have to you have to smash it up and then give it back to somebody and say, "There's your mold. Fuck you." Um, and that's why I didn't want to see like one of these half half hearted attempts at bringing a female into into the sport just to say Formula One was more diverse. Um, you know, we've seen it. We, we, we've seen these sort of things go on quite a lot these days. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot of a lot of push for like intersectionalism and uh, this whole like equal opportunities for people regardless of skills. And I, I, I don't really want to see it in sport. I want to see people get. I, I want to see people do well in sport and well in life through merit and not uh, because of the equality boxes they tick. But that sound. This sounds like I'm doing a different podcast. Um, 
there we had Sebastian Vettel moving to uh, Red uh, to Ferrari from Red Bull. Uh, I had a big cross next to that because it's fucked him, isn't it? And I still think I still think Sebastian Vettel should have stayed for one more year in Red Bull and seen if he could have got on top of Daniel Ricciardo because I still I still think that the best. Uh, Red Bull Sebastian Vettel is better than Daniel Ricciardo. He had a bad year. Oh, again, maybe it's this hybrid year. This hybrid year of Formula One is just not suiting him. Maybe if he can somehow keep himself in Formula One uh, before uh, for twenty twenty one, maybe he'll find Formula One comes back to him more. Um, and it, it's it's such a make or break year for Sebastian Vettel. It's such a make or break year. He has to be, I would say he has to be better than Charles Leclerc. He has to be as good as him. He has to get back on uh, on terms. But, oh, I mean, really, are Ferrari going to allow that to happen? They've just signed Charles Leclerc for five years. Five fucking years. He's going to be with Ferrari for half of the next decade. Unless he has to, unless something terrible ha- ha- happens with Ferrari and uh, someone else wants him and he wants bought out of his contract. But realistically, he's going to be there because people tend, generally don't tend to leave Ferrari. Um, I, I'm, I'm interested, interested in what Sebastian Vettel can do. I like Sebastian Vettel. You guys know that. You, you guys know I, I kind, I kind of like the guy. Um, Max Verstappen to Toro Rosso was obviously a big move that worked out. Um, Valtteri Bottas from Williams to Mercedes didn't work out. Could you have had somebody else in that in that Mercedes for the last few years that would have done a better job than Valtteri Bottas? Maybe. Um, would you have had more one twos? Maybe. They couldn't have more more championships, could they? So yeah, no. I suppose that technically worked out, but. Uh, it worked, but it's uninspi- uninspiring, I think, might be the, the way to look at it. Daniel Ricciardo to Renault in 2019 was a disaster. Disaster. Um, well, I, I'm i I'm interested to see what Renault can do uh, this year because the can they keep up with McLaren's rate of progress when you look from where McLaren came from to challenge them and beat them? I would say no. Uh, and I think I think Renault will pull out of the sport in the, the end of this year. I think they will, they they may stay in as a as an engine supplier, but as an actual team, unless something radical happens, management system. I I, I still think there's a, there's a a chance um, Alan Prost could take the team over. Um, I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but I. I for Renault to be in in 2021, something radical has to happen to that team because the money and resources Renault have, and they're still not fucking doing anything. It's, and Honda are getting it together. Like, Honda are getting it together, and Renault aren't. And Renault have been doing this now for fucking ages. So, I can't, I, I can't see that that's not an embarrassment to Renault if, if they fall behind Honda. Which they have fall, fall behind Honda now. So yeah, I think that's all very interesting. Um, oh, the oh, the other big move was Charles Leclerc to Ferrari, which has obviously worked out. Um, well, not not if you're Sebastian Vettel. So 
I'm going to love yous, leave yous, and it's been a re- yeah, it's been sort of a re- reasonably long to average hot lap. <laughs> <coughs> I'm sorry. I'm so close to the end. I'm not ed- editing that out. Like, I've, had, I've had to go back and re- redo a couple of bits in this because I've got such a bad cold. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to love yous and leave yous, and I'll be back. Um, probably around car launches actually car launches is going to be before testing aren't they so as soon as there's some car launches to talk about um, I think Ferrari's first Ferrari might be in February so yeah anyway thanks for sticking with uh, Hot Lap thanks for listening to any other Musty Audio stuff that's come out if you're a patron um, thank you very much Um, there's been a lot of patrons over the years and obviously some of the stuff we talk about on some of the other podcasts I think it's very easy for people to um, get upset by certain things we talk about, which is kind of the reason we've got to talk about them is because people keep getting upset about them. So it, if, if you want to go and subscribe to the podcast to get rid of the adverts that should be coming back soon uh, after you've listened to this podcast, if you want to get rid of those in the future, then uh, you can sign up to the Patreon to do that. You can also get the extra content. There's The extra content should be pumping properly again come the new year. Um, and... It, yeah, it, it really helps. Yeah, at the moment, it's like the whole thing pays for itself, but I can't do any more than I do because uh, any more costs would mean it was an, uh, it was a, like a loss. So the uh, if, if any of you keep thinking when, when you hear me talk about the Patreon, oh, I should go and do that, please go and do it because it makes a big difference to me. It makes a big difference what I'm doing and um, what I can do. You know, it's the, I'm hoping to do, like some little bits when I'm away this year because there's, uh, I'm going to watch Douglas Murray um, do a talk which with Stuart. So we're hoping to do some Walking Dead stuff while we're away. And I'm also going to Austria to watch Formula One. So I'm hoping to do stuff while I'm away for this podcast. So these little things, the more the more that comes in is the more I can, I can hunt for opportunities. I can, I, like there's, there's a couple of inns where I could probably go and speak to some people like just as quick who like quick interviews and stuff like that for this show. So if you can help me out, then that would be very fucking handy. Anyway, thanks very much. And I'll see you later. Bye bye. Unbelievable. Fantastic guy. Not bad for another good ride off kids.